I want Brother Phillips to come. Amen. I want him to preach whatever God's put in his heart and his spirit for us here tonight. I'm just looking forward to this. Amen. I'm telling you what. He has blessed us a number of times already. And uh, I know he's doing everything he can to get us into schedule. And I'm thankful for it tonight. We're going to pray. We're going to work with him. We're going to preach with him. We're going we're gonna to join together. Amen. Watch God mark in this house tonight. All right. Let's give him a good Bendale welcome. God bless you, brother. Man, while you're clapping your hands, why don't you lift your voice and give God a shout of praise. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Isn't it wonderful to be in God's house? And I told Brother Moore, I said, I, I don't, it's all kind of running together. I don't remember what number of services this is this week. It's five or six or seven, somewhere in there that I've been in church. I said, I'm not needing to warm up. I'm already hot. Let's have, let's go. Let's have church. Hallelujah. I've got a saying I say all the time, and it's just simply, if you stay ready, you ain't got to get ready. And so I'm, I'm glad to be around people that are ready to have church. Well, I thought I was. There's about five of them here that are. I said, I'm glad to be around people that are ready to have church. Woo! Hallelujah. And if you have your Bibles tonight, the book of Revelation chapter 1, Revelation chapter 1, one verse of Scripture, verse 9. While you're turning there, let me say again what an honor it is to be here tonight in Bendale, Mississippi, wonderful people of God. And I give honor tonight to Pastor Moore. I love him, appreciate him, and thank God for what he is doing, pushing for revival and um, you know, it's not everywhere that you go that a pastor will even entertain the thought of having church on an off night. And so, thank God for a man of God that's so interested in revival. He says, it doesn't matter. You make up a day of the week. We'll have it then, too. I'm, I just want to have church. Amen. So, I honor him tonight. Revelation chapter 1, verse 9. I, John, who am also your brother and companion in tribulation, and in the kingdom and patience of Jesus Christ, was in the isle that is called Patmos for the word of God and for the testimony of Jesus Christ. I want you to notice something that he is saying here, and it might not make much sense now, but it'll make a whole lot of sense later, as John speaks of being a companion in tribulation and in the kingdom and in the isle that was called Patmos for the word of God and for the testimony of Jesus Christ. I want to talk to you tonight for just a little while with your help and the help of the Lord. Simply this, postcards from Patmos. Postcards from Patmos. Would you help me right now by lifting your voice to heaven and ask the Lord to move in this place. God, we love you. We praise you. We thank you. You're so good to us. God, thank you for the Holy Ghost. Thank you for the power that comes with it. Thank you, God, because you never leave us nor forsake us, but you're always with us. Come on, I need somebody else to help me pray right now. Jesus, we ask you, Lord, let your anointing set in this house. Anoint me. God, I'm just, I'm just flesh and blood. I, I can't do anything on my own. On my, in myself, there's, only, there's no good thing, but in you, God, every good and perfect gift comes from. God, we thank you, Lord, that you're working right now. Heal somebody. God, deliver somebody. Set somebody free. Fill somebody with the gift of the Holy Ghost. Evidence of speaking in other tongues. In Jesus' name we pray. Come on, while you're clapping those hands one more time, would you lift your voice? Give God some praise. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. 
Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. You may be seated in the fear of the Lord. I apologize ahead of time for a little bit of a lengthy reading or a little bit of a lengthy uh, foundation, but I promise I am going to preach at some point. I just don't know where yet. Hallelujah. As a 30-year-old man, I rightfully so, or at least I feel like I still consider myself very young. And as a 30-year-old man, I recognize that it's it hasn't been very long since I was uh, sitting as a 15, 16-year-old boy going to church camps and camp meetings and all of those things with a notepad and a Bible, taking notes and listening to the Word of God preached. It is without a doubt that someone here tonight probably came to church needing a word from God. I, I would step out on on the limb of the obvious and say that nobody here has a perfect life. And I, I would go ahead and just say that the reason you're here is you recognize you need the Lord. I got five people that, the rest of y'all got perfect lives. Well, no, I, I, I come to God not only because I love him and I need him, but I come because I recognize that there, there's this deal with me and God that I'm, in, I'm not just, I don't just love him, I'm in love with him. I want more of him. If I, if I find myself away from the church too long, I find myself wanting to just drive by the church. If I find myself away from preaching, it's not very long before I start turning on a tape and listening to the preaching. And, and, and there's so many of us here tonight that I believe that, that that's how you feel. And thank God that you believe in, in apostolic revival. Thank God that you believe in apostolic preaching and apostolic worship. Hallelujah. But there and and I, I feel tonight comfortable in saying that this church does it very well, but there's another part of this being apostolic deal that sometimes gets overlooked, and that is apostolic fellowship. And again, I, I really do, and I'm not just saying that, but I feel like this church does that very well. We we are a people, we are a body of Christ, fitly joined together. Many members that are connected one to another. We do, and we strive to do exactly what the Bible said in Acts 2 and 42. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship. And then he got on there and said, breaking of bread. I can look at some of y'all and tell you, you, you do really good at that. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Woo. Thank you, Jesus. Somebody's going to run the aisles now. But, but we are a fellowship-driven people. Can I, would you agree with me when I say that we are a people that, that thrive on being connected one to another? It is, it's just a part of my personality, I guess you could say, to be a people person. I don't like being by myself. Matter of fact, my brother-in-law, God bless his heart, Every time he picks up the phone, he says, you're driving, aren't you? Like, what is that supposed to mean? He said, I just know you can't stand to sit there and talk to yourself. You got to talk to somebody else. And so that, it's just my personality. I like to be around people. Fellowship, it's a vital part of what we believe and what we do. And as I can look back over my life as a young man, the, those important places where I went to church with a notepad and, and took notes as the preacher preached, and then I would go to the altar and weep in the altar or dance, whatever the case may be. A lot of times that was followed by fellowship. And I can tell you now, as a 30-year-old man, 
understand that some of the high points over the last couple of years in my own personal life is going to meetings and, and hearing the preach word of God. But after the preaching, going and sit down with my friends and talk about the goodness of God and the word of God and the depths of the word of God and sit there as iron sharpeneth iron and we, we talk and, and, and go back and forth, if you will, about the word of God. And, and I believe that that is a little bit of a snapshot of what it looked like when Jesus called his disciples. Now, what we do get about the disciples, is it all right if I just take my time tonight? What we do see about the disciples is that they are anointed by God. We see that they have the power of God resting not just on them, but in them by the time of the closing. And so we get to watch as these men are with Jesus and they have these questions like, who do men say that I am? And they, they begin to ramble and some of them say, you know, some say you're Jeremiah and some say you're Isaiah. And then we, we get to read about that kind of stuff. But who do you say that I am? Thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. We get to read about stuff like Peter asking him, Lord, would you show us the Father? And he, he says, Peter, have I not been so long with you? If you've seen me, then you've seen the Father because I and my Father are one. We get to see all of that. But what we don't get to see is the bond of friendship that is created when lawyers and doctors all become best friends with fishermen and politics. Wait, we don't get to see that in Scripture. I, then this is just, this is my curiosity. I know, is it all right if I just talk to you for a little bit? I, I'm on preach, you have to just, just hang on. Y'all are already, I can see some of y'all sitting on the edge of your seat right now. Is he ever going to get started? I'm, I've already started. So, so I, I just, the way I read the Bible, I, I'm curious and I want to know what it was like. You know, Peter was hot-headed. We can tell that. He yanks out a sword, cuts off a dude's ear. I want to know if he ever got mad at Matthew. The guy that was, that, that was the scribe and that would sit down with the scroll. The guy that would sit at the tax collectors. I want to know what was the relationship because we know Judas was a backbiter and all of that stuff. What was his relationship with Peter? Did Jesus ever have to step in between them and said, hold on boys. There ain't going to be none of that around this fire. What we do know is by the time that there is... Uh, that Jesus has left this earthly ministry. We do know that there is not just a friendship, but a brotherhood that is formed. They're scattered after the death of Jesus, but it wasn't many days that they are coming back together because now they're not just friends, they are family. And even in this inner circle, we can we can, or even in the twelve, we we read and we talk a lot about the inner circle. I'm I'm sure those of you that have heard preaching very much at all, you can name them: Peter, James, and John. They were tightly knitted together. They were the ones that seen Jesus on the Mount of Transfiguration. And I want you to hold on to that. We're going to come back to that in a little bit. And they they were here. They were the ones that were with him when he raised Jairus's daughter. They were with him in Gethsemane. They are a Brotherhood, and the inner circle that they are bonded so close and now we pluck, we begin to talk about one of these men tonight. We pluck him out of scripture and we begin to talk and read about a man by the name of John. He was the disciple that the Lord loved and he understood the importance of his brother. He understood it so much. He, he got the revelation of the brotherhood, if you will, that when Jesus 
Jesus died, he was the only disciple that would go with him all the way to the cross, unashamedly saying, I am his disciple. And, and so as we begin to read about Peter, James, and John, and, and a little bit farther into their readings, we can see that they talk a lot about loving your brother. As a matter of fact, James mentions caring and guarding for you and loving your brother three times in only five chapters. Peter mentions the same time, the same thing four times across his two letters. But there's this deal about John. John's a little bit different than Peter and James. He, he mentions his brother 11 times in only three chapters in the book of 1 John. He's writing in 1 John as the last apostle of the 12. Peter's dead, James is dead, all of them are gone, Matthew, everybody's dead. And now it's just him and he begins to write as a man that loves God and he recognizes that if you love God, you must love your brother. So he makes statements like that. He that loveth his brother and abideth in the light, but he that hates him is in darkness. He goes on to mention one that doesn't love his brother is a child of the devil. I'm, I'm, that's not what I said. That's what John said. He called one. He says one that hates his brother is a murderer. That's serious business there. He's an older man. He's a bishop of the church at Ephesus. And now he realizes that he must tell his new brothers in Christ that they must remain in brotherly love. And so with sternness in his pen, he begins to set things straight. John, a man that protected the doctrine and preached that Jesus was the Christ and enjoyed the fellowship of his brethren, which belongs, which brings us tonight to our text where a nearly 90-year-old man that just loved everybody, loved his brother as he loved himself, is now being punished to an isle called Patmos and he's all alone. See, the reason I've talked so much about this brotherhood stuff is because it's really, it really does help you to know that you got somebody praying for you. You see, but John doesn't have anybody he can call on the phone now. All of his disciple brethren are dead. It's just him. Nobody remembers the good old days like John remembers the good old days. He's the last disciple that is standing and he has been a man that would stand up and preach the love of your brother and the doctrine of Jesus Christ crucified and raised again from the dead. And now he is in a place where he can no longer talk to anyone because Demodian, the emperor, has commanded him to call him Lord and God. But he will not call Demodian Lord and God. He, he calls Jesus Christ Lord and God and he preaches stuff like hear O Israel the Lord our God is one he, he tells him without a fact that Jesus Christ is that same God for in him dwelleth the fullness of the Godhead bodily and so this is a problem because while Demodian uh, wants to be called Lord and God, and I don't have time to give you all the history for this tonight. I, I, maybe we'll get to do it at a later date. But Demodian commands to be called Lord and God, and he commands uh, that his own brother gets killed for his political gain. And while he's doing that, John says there's only one God. And while Demodian has his brother killed, John is caring for his brother. And while Demodian only cares about himself, John is preaching that you must care about others. And John is doing everything that he can to put the gospel of Jesus Christ out and so Demodian has a little meeting with him this is history you can go read it for yourself Demodian has a meeting and says you're going to bow to me and you're going to call me Lord and God and you're going to stop all this preaching about your brotherly love stuff and John refuses to stop preaching that Jesus is Lord so you know what he does he has him dipped in hot oil but guess what that didn't stop John from preaching 
He has him beaten, but that doesn't stop John from preaching. He, he laughs and makes fun of John, but that does not stop John from preaching. Can I tell somebody something tonight that if you want to give hell back every bit of misery that it's ever gave you, don't stop preaching. Say, I'm not a preacher. Yes, you are. Every time you walk out of your door, you're preaching about the goodness of Jesus Christ. Every time you go to church, you're preaching a message that he's been faithful to me, so I'm going to be faithful to him. You want to make hell mad? Just keep preaching, Brother John. They're going to dip you in hot oil. They're going to beat you. They're going to spit on you. They're going to laugh at you, but don't stop preaching. Hallelujah. John refuses to bow. Can I tell you that it, it just makes me glad to know every morning I get up, I want to let the devil know you're a failure. That's what you've been trying to tell me, but devil, you're a failure. You've been telling me to quit, and I'm still going. You've been telling me that if I'll just give up, everything will be all right. But I've done made up my mind to keep on living. I'm going to keep on living for God. The truth is, uh, is the battle is already won uh, when you just decide to keep on doing uh, what you know to do. Come hell or high water. John said, I will not quit preaching. I will not quit believing. I will not quit saying that here, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. I will not quit no matter what. And so now this guy that, that has the determination to keep living for God. Can I preach tonight? He, he, he is banished. He is put on an island called Patmos. He is in a place where he is in isolation. The John that thrived in a world where you were your brother's keeper. The John that thrived in a world where there's no greater love than the love for your brother is now all alone. That John has no brother to lean on. That John has no brother to pray for him. His fondest memories, I'm sure, were. I, 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 can't, I can't speak for John, but I'm just talking from the personality that I read of him in Scripture. He, he's the guy that if anybody would sit around on an island called Patmos in a cave and remember the days he was with the 12 disciples and Jesus uh, and talking and just reminiscing the conversation and all of that good stuff, uh, if there was anybody that, that would have happened to it, it would have been John. John sitting there just remembering. I, now what do I do? I, I've, I haven't bowed to the world. I kept preaching truth. I didn't bow to immorality. I didn't buy into what Hollywood was cramming down my throat. I, I didn't believe what, what every preacher was saying just because he was a so-called preacher. But now, now, now I'm all alone. Now what do I do, preacher? I'm, I'm all alone Although I'm surrounded by people, the enemy has put me in a place where I am in solitary confinement and I can call somebody and say, hey, how are you doing? But it doesn't matter how long we talk, I still feel isolated. And I go to church and I'm around people at the front, but I still feel like I'm all by myself. And I go to the fellowship and I can't connect with people because there's something that's happening. I'm in isolation, but can I tell you that although this is is the place where most people backslide. This is also the place where destiny is formed. 
when you get to this place where God is silent, that's when most people begin to question why. If God really loved me, why do I feel alone? If God really cared, why do I feel forsaken? I think back to all the times that I shouted and I felt God and I think, God, where are you now? I'm isolated. I'm all by myself. But can I preach to you tonight that there's some things you can't get in the shout, some things you got to get in the silence. There's some things you can't get dancing around the front. Some things you can only get when you're on Patmos and you're all alone and there's nobody there to call you. But you know that Jesus will not leave you and Jesus will not forsake you. I'm still not preaching. This is still the announcements. We're getting there, okay? And so there's... There's this deal, if we're not careful, we'll get angry with God about the silence and forget that Patmos has a purpose. John tells us what the Patmos purpose is. He says, I, John, who am also your brother and companion in tribulation and in the kingdom and patience of Jesus Christ, was in the isle that is called Patmos. Here you go. Why? For the word of God and for the testimony of Jesus Christ. Can I preach to you tonight that some things are not for your testimony? Some things are for the testimony of of Jesus Christ. When God brought you out of sin, that was for your testimony. When God delivered you from drugs, that was your testimony. When God delivered you from alcohol, that was for your testimony. But when God allows you to go to a place, the Bible says, in the aisle, that was called Patmos. When God brought you out, that was so that you could shout about. But sometimes God takes you in so that he can shout about what you're doing. Have you considered my servant Job? Yeah, I did. But he, you, it doesn't matter what you do. He's in, he's in a hedge. Yeah, but you move that hedge and see what will happen. And God says, that's okay. I brought him out of darkness. But I'll let him go into the test. I'll let him go into the tribulation. And when it was all said and done, can I tell you tonight that there's some things you go through so God can just look the devil in the eye and say, I told you so. They went through the fire. They went through the flood and you said they quit you said they'd backslide you said they'd walk away from God but even in the prison cell even in Patmos even in the storm even in the rain they're still praising they're, they're still dancing they're still giving God glory come on Patmos give me all you got because at the end of the day I've already made up my mind He brought me out to give me a song, but he brought me in so that he could sing a song. Because while John was all in the aisle called Patmos, the Bible, the next verse tells us that he was in the spirit. You see, that's the only way to make it off Patmos. Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm trying my best to not meddle right here, but I, I just feel like I'm probably going to do it anyway. Can I tell you that the reason your Patmos experience has lasted for the last 15 years is you haven't figured out how to get in the spirit while you're still on Patmos. Oh, I'm fixing to hurt somebody's feelings right now. You want to come to church and gripe and complain because Patmos is ruling your life. Well, you know what you got to do? You got to do what John did. John was all by himself. There wasn't a drummer. There wasn't a keyboard player. There wasn't a preacher to preach him into a good mood. John was on his own. And he said, all by myself, I got 
in the spirit on the Lord's day. So Daniel, keep on doing what you're doing. And when you go into the lion's den, you'll know that I'm a God that delivered because you spent time getting in the spirit. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, when you go in the fiery furnace, just know I'm going in there with you because you've been spending time getting in the spirit. And I tell you, this whole deliverance thing, the angels don't understand. The Bible tells us that. that They've never been delivered from drugs and alcohol. They've never been brought out of false doctrine. You know what the angels are doing? When one sinner repents, they're gazing over heaven just wondering what it was like. Say, well, what's the purpose of what you're saying right now? Well, there's this deal. That the Bible says that the angels of the Lord encamp about them that fear the Lord. Say, well, what does that have to do? I'm I'm getting there. Just Well, there's this another scripture in Psalms where it says, He encompasses them about with songs of deliverance, meaning that they encamp about them. So if there are songs of deliverance that are encamped about us, And there are angels that are encamped about us. It only makes sense to me that the angels are doing the singing. But there's a problem with that. Because they're songs of deliverance. And angels don't know what it's like to be delivered. There's a problem with that because angels have never been brought out of the miry clay. So you want to know my theory? I'm going to tell you my theory. When the angels begin to sing the songs of deliverance, they're just taking a songbook off of heaven's shelf where God said every time somebody went in and they made it through the fiery furnace and they made it through the den of lions and they made it off Patmos because they got in the spirit on the Lord. It's for the testimony of Jesus Christ and God writes down that testimony and says that'll be a good song. We'll put that in a songbook and I'll give it to an angel and when a child of God is in trouble he don't understand what he's singing but he's got the songbook and he's singing about the day where a saint of God got delivered in 1912 he's singing about the day in 1875 when a saint of God under an old brush harbor nobody knew what they were going to but God began and songs of deliverance begin to play and be sang that what happened when you get in the spirit on the Lord's day I'm thankful for every time God brought me out but I'm thankful for every time God took me back in too I'm thankful for every time God made a way out of no way but I'm thankful you want to know how I know he's really God is when he didn't take the storm away and he didn't take the trial away but I held on to him and somewhere in the middle of the trial somewhere in the middle of the test late in the midnight hour I felt the angel of the Lord and he he began to sing songs of deliverance around me John, if you're not careful, the silence will drive you crazy. God's not speaking to me, preacher. Yeah, John knows what that's like. Because we don't know how long he was on the island. But don't you know 
when he gets dropped off, he's in a pity party. Because here I am preaching the word of the Lord. And now I'm all by myself. But somewhere, ooh, I feel the Holy Ghost. Somewhere, I don't know how long he'd been there. But he started thinking that just because God's silent doesn't mean God ain't speaking. What are you saying, preacher? Well, you need to just go back to the last time God spoke. Well, what did, what, what did God say the last time he spoke? He said something about, you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you, John. One of the last things I heard him say before he ascended into heaven was just go to Jerusalem and wait until you're endued with power from on high because when the Holy Ghost gets there, you're going to... You're going to receive power after that Holy Ghost uh, comes upon you. Uh, and John, I don't know what, what triggered it in John's mind, uh, but somewhere John began to pray uh, until John prayed in the Holy Ghost. Uh, somewhere, somewhere John said, I'm not going to let Patmos uh, ruin my Pentecost experience. I'm not going to let Patmos uh, stop my praise. I'm not going to let Patmos uh, keep me from magnifying God. I know I may be in a place where God is silent, but he's still worthy. He's still worthy. My God is still worthy. This man, John, John gets to Patmos. Patmos means my killing. Patmos is a place destroyed that, that, that is designed to destroy John. Patmos is a place designed to break the faith of John. And I can see Domitian just kind of laughing. Who does he think he is now? He's all alone. Nobody to preach to. And John gets to this place. You see, we, we get so caught up sometimes in what we're going through that we forget that these guys seem way worse than we did. See, because John said, I was in the isle called Patmos. And, and the, there is a very, uh, let's just say there's a lot of merit to the theory that John climbs 62 and uh, we're, we're talking about a, a, an island about 62 miles from the coast of Ephesus. 680-something feet above sea level on the Isle of Patmos. Now understand, he knows they're having church in Ephesus. He's been the pastor. He's the bishop of the church in Ephesus. He knows what they're doing in Ephesus. He climbs to the very top of Patmos where there's a cave. As a matter of fact, you can visit that cave to this day. It's called the Cave of Revelation. Ooh, I wish I had time to preach about that. As a matter of fact, I might here in a minute. Just depends on how good I'm feeling. Y'all hungry? I mean, I, look, I ain't even got a watch on, so I can preach all night. Hallelujah. But, but there's, there's this cave, and, and history records that this cave was used at one time to sacrifice animals to the false god, Pergamos, which was the god of the sea. And John climbs up into the cave into a false god temple. There's blood caked on the side of the cave where they've been shouting and dancing to a god that never delivered, never made a way out of no way. 
Can you imagine the demonic spirits? Now you think you got it bad having to come to church in an apostolic church and dance here. John had to dance where there was demons around him that were so thick that he could hardly put one foot in front of the other. When was the last time you went to a devil worshiping church and had to run the aisles? Ooh, help me, Jesus. I'm feeling that ornery streak right now. When was the last time you went to a devil worshiping church and rolled in the floor and said, I'm still going to praise Jesus even though I'm in the devil's church? But that's really where John was. John stumbled into this cave and he knows, man, there's so much demonic activity around this place. But as he looks, Pastor Moore, 62 nautical miles, he can see the shoreline of Ephesus. He looks at his, I don't know, maybe he's got scratch marks to show how many days he's been there. He says, whoa, today's Sunday. And so John says, you know what I'm going to do? I can't be with them over there. They're too far for me to touch, but they're not too far for the Holy Ghost to get in sync with. And so somewhere, I don't know exactly how this happened. You just have to bear with me on this, but I do know this happened. Some way, somehow, somewhere, I don't know, it might have been 10 o'clock in the morning. He knew somebody was fixing to get up and begin to sing the songs of Zion. And I can just see John sitting there singing. And, and he knew somewhere about 10, 15, they were going to take up prayer requests. So John just gave a prayer request. He knew somewhere about 10, 20, they were going to start praying over the needs. So John just started praying over the needs. He, he, he knew somewhere about 10, 30, the word was going to go forth. And so John began to quote the word of God. And he, he begins, oh God, I feel the Holy Ghost. He begins to lock in to what was happening at the house of the Lord. And as he, they begin to praise, John began to praise. And even though he's by himself and he's all alone, he continues to press into, he's in the cave. But I've come to tell somebody in the cave, you got to learn how to get in sync with what the church is doing. Even though, even though you're in the cave, even though you're all alone, get in sync with what they're doing at the house of God. Oh, so John, it, I, I still have time tonight. We do. Okay, I got three people who want me to preach. The rest of y'all, you can be dismissed in Jesus' name. I'm gonna keep preaching to the rest of them that want to hear me preach. There, there. John goes in. Somebody shout in. Oh, man, that was weak. Shout it again. In. John goes into the cave. Well, John, you know why you can shout? Because you're not the first person that's ever been in a cave. Because remember, John seen Jesus on the Mount of Transfiguration. Well, who was there with Jesus on the Mount of Transfiguration? It was the prophet Elijah and Moses. Well, it just so happens that they both go in the cave. Let's start with Moses or Elijah. Elijah, you know when Elijah goes to the cave? Elijah goes to the cave when Jezebel stands up and says, Tomorrow, I'm going to have your head on a platter. And so Elijah finds himself in a place with a death threat and some crazy woman that, that ain't, well, help me, Jesus. She, she, she's just a devil. Said, I'm going to cut your head off. And so John, or Elijah does what he knows to do. He runs and he hides, but he finds himself in the cave. And you know what happens when Elijah gets to the cave? The Bible says that the earth shakes and the wind blows and the fire comes down. 
and then a still small voice. John, it's going to be all right. You're not the first person that's ever been in a cave, but let me tell you something, buddy. Last time somebody went in the cave, I started speaking to him. And you know what happened? When Elijah came out of the cave, he went to a place and anointed another prophet and anointed another king, and he anointed Jehu. And you know what Jehu does? Jehu comes up a hundred miles running in that chariot, and he says, is there anybody that's on my side? And there were three men that were least likely to succeed that said, we're on the Lord's side. He said, then throw that woman out. And she's thrown upon her head. That's what happened when you went in the cave, Elijah. That's what happened, John, when the prophet went in the cave. So don't worry. I'll speak to you when I'm in the while you're in the cave. But when you come out of the cave, there's big stuff that's going to happen in your ministry when you come out of the cave. Moses, I don't have time to preach this all the way through. God, I wish I did. But Moses goes into the cave. Exodus chapter 33, God draws him into a, into a cave and isolates him from everybody else and puts him in the cleft of a rock and tells him, Moses, you'll see my hinder parts, but not my face. And, and, and I know we always talk about he's seen the back of God. But literally what scholars say is, uh, and, and most theologian and even the original language even implies to it, it is he did not see the back of God, but he's seen the past of God. And so that's how Moses can write in the beginning. God created the heavens and the earth. Because in vision form, he's seeing things that he's never seen before. In vision form, he's watching as the world is created. And so he's seeing the back of God, the past of God. Well, what happens when he comes down? The glory of God shining upon his face. He went into the cave. And he's seen the past of God. And the glory of God is shining on him now. But John, can I tell you something? You're in a cave, but I'm not showing you my past. Because he hears a voice and says, come up hither and I'll show you things that are to come. You see, Moses seen the things that I've already done. But John, because you got in the spirit on the... Y'all ain't going to help me preach. Because you got in the spirit on the Lord's day. When Moses seen my past, I'll show you my future. And so I'll, I'll show you things that have not yet happened that are going to come to pass. And when the glory fell on Moses, let me tell you, John, the glory is going to fall on you. Let me tell you something from my... Saint of God in Bendale, Mississippi I know you're in the cave But worship while you're in the cave Because if you'll worship while you're in the cave God will give you revelation God will see you things God will show you things that are yet to come If you want the glory You got to go through the grind And get your selfish flesh out of the way and get in the spirit on the Lord's day. Can I tell you that demons are scratching their head when you're in isolation and you just get in the spirit. I don't know how John wrote the book of Revelation. I don't know if he wrote it once he got off of Patmos. I, I'm, I'm not smart enough to figure that, all that out. There's thousands of different theories on that. But this I do know is that John was keeping some kind of a record. And for just a portion of time it seems as if John, I, I'm really good at finding those smart aleck people in Scripture. I'm anointed to do that. John becomes a little bit of a smart aleck. I can just see Demodian. And, and, and we have history to back this up. He sends enough provisions to keep him living just long enough. 
almost to starvation, bring him to the point where he's almost dehydrated, and somebody will float up on a boat and bring him just enough food. Now, I know some of y'all say, well, that ain't in the Bible. Go study history. You'll find out I'm right. How's that? He floats up. Demodian says, oh, yeah, how's our prisoner, John? You know, Demodian, he said to tell you, I, John, was in the Spirit on the Lord's day. It's almost like John sits down in a little corner of his own personal hell and writes a postcard to the devil. You thought this would destroy me. You, you, you thought this was the end of me. You thought just because this test was designed to kill me that it was going to kill me. But I, John, was in the spirit. What are you doing? I'm writing the devil a postcard. You know what you need to do when you get home and all hell breaks loose? You need to go in your, your room and sit down at your desk and get you out a pen and a piece of paper. Deal hell. I know you thought you were going to take me out. I know you thought you were going to destroy my family. I know you thought I was going to go bankrupt. I know you thought I was going to lose my mind. But I just want you to know I'm doing fine. Everything. Everything's nice here on Patmos. Yeah, I'm a little lonely, but I got in the spirit. Yeah, I'm broke as Joe's turkey, but I got in the spirit. Yes, I'm having to hold my head to keep from losing my mind, but I, John, got in the spirit on the Lord's day. I don't know how long John was in the silence, but the moment he got in the spirit, he started hearing a voice from on high saying, John, come up here where I'm at. I know you're in the valley, but come up here and I'll show you some stuff that'll blow your mind. I know what you're thinking. You only send postcards from vacation areas. How can I write a postcard? From the most trying place in my life, it's really easy. When you get in the spirit, Patmos becomes paradise. When you get in the spirit, you'll look at everything around you through, through, through new eyes. When you get in the spirit, it'll change the way you think to where, well, I'm, you know, yesterday I didn't think I was going to make it, but today I know I'm going to make it. Not because I'm any stronger in my flesh, but I prayed until I prayed through. I got in the spirit on the Lord's day. Let me tell you something about the, the, there's not a more, well, I, I'll take that back. There is, yeah, there's not a more prophetic book. There are equally as prophetic books as the book of Revelation. Like Daniel, Ezekiel, books like that. As a matter of fact, let's go to Ezekiel. Let's go to Ezekiel chapter 37. Let's talk about that for a minute. Ezekiel gets set down in a valley full of dry bones. And he gets asked the question, son of man, can these, do, do we have time for me to preach this? Okay. Son of man, can these bones live again? Thou knowest. And so he's given a commandment to prophesy. Well, let me tell you about prophecy. The, the prophetic word from God. That, that rhema word. That word that will keep you 
the word straight from heaven that you've been listening for. Can I just tell you that it, there's two things about it that you got to understand. One, it will never come to a place that you can't praise from. You want a word from God? Then show me how to get in the spirit on the Lord's day, John. You want revelation to come? Then praise from your Patmos because the prophetic's not coming until you learn how to praise me where you are. I believe in getting a word from God. I believe in calling people out. I believe in healing signs and wonders. But maybe the reason you ain't got called out and ain't nobody laid hands on you and ain't nobody told you everything's going to be all right is because God is waiting to see, will you praise me while you're on Patmos? Because the prophetic word will not come until you praise me from your Patmos. Second thing about the prophetic ministry, if you will, is that it always comes to places where everything around you is dead. Son of man! Prophesy. Are you kidding? God, you're crazy. As a matter of fact, you, you even go look at the original Hebrew, and he doesn't just tell him to prophesy there, brother, but the word is the word ne'ar, and it means to sing. The implication here is that God is telling Eli, or Ezekiel, rather, he's telling him, Ezekiel, sing to the bones. Huh? Sing to the bones. God, you're crazy. Lord, it's dead. And not only is it dead, but it's dead so long that the wilderness has caused it to be discombobulated and disconnected. Don't you know, God? There's about a 45-pound yote standing here last night chewing on this bone right here. I can preach like that in Bendale. You can't preach like that everywhere. Don't, don't you know that the scavengers of the wilderness have, not only is it dead, but it's torn apart. Sing. You see, Ezekiel, I'm just trying to figure out if you're more worried about being a prophet or if you're worried about really doing the work of God. Because if all you're worried about is being a prophet and having some kind of cute little word, you'll look at stuff that's discombobulated like this and say, yeah, I'm out. But if you're really worried about having a word from God, you can walk into a valley full of dry bones, and it doesn't matter how crazy the word from God is, you're willing to... I'm helping somebody right now. You're willing to stand on that crazy, wild word from God. And I, I, I know it sounds strange to, to, to run when you don't feel like running, but there was somebody that said, sing to the bones. And I, I know I really don't feel like shouting tonight. It's Thursday night, and, and you done thrown my whole week off by giving me a different night of service. And, and, and here we are, and my days went crazy but I've come to tell somebody tonight you got to open up your it doesn't matter if you can't sing sing to the bones sing to the bones prophesy son of man because when you start singing there'll be bones that start shaking on the crowd and they'll start connecting themselves one to another and as if that's not enough <laughs> 
Seigneur. Starts crawling up on the bones. Ligaments start going in the right places. Muscles start forming out of nothing. And out of the dust of the earth, flesh crawls up and gets on top of the body. And then the wind out of Makataya. And then the wind of God begins to blow. And when the wind from God begins to blow, that dead army begins to stand up. That thing that it was impossible for it ever to live. God said, I'll take the bones and I'll create an army that will destroy everything in its past. If you learn how to praise me from bad mercy like. Prophesy. Saying, get in the spirit on the Lord's day. Pray until you're not just praying in tongues, but the tongues are praying through you. Get in the spirit till it's not your prayers, but it's his prayers praying through you. Look, I know it seems like every time I come to Bendale, I talk about talking in tongues and praying in the Holy Ghost. But I, I just be honest with you, I don't know what else to preach about. Because it's the consensus of everything that we are. It's all derived from one thing, and that's that we are not, we are in this world, but we are not of this world. And we might walk and talk and act like everybody else out there, but there's something on the inside, and it's the spirit. And the only way you get the spirit is the tongue. So prophesy, son of man. Sing, son of man. Come on, John. Get in the spirit. I, John, you know what? You don't, you don't need to write a dear John. You need to write an I, John. I, John, was in the spirit. Families acting crazy. They said they'd never come to church. We had special revival service, and I just knew that was going to be the night that they came to church and got the Holy Ghost. I showed up and knocked on their door, and they said, Mama, I'm not going. I, John, was in the spirit on the Lord's day. I'm talking to somebody right now. You checked your banking account and it was red all the way across right before you walked in the church. But can I tell you, you need to sit out and I, John, was in the spirit on the... Well, I know how it is. I'm flesh just like you are. When things aren't going right, it's hard to praise God. But if you can just get past that and get in the spirit, there'll be heavenly things open unto you that you can't even imagine. Musicians come, I'm closing. Kinda. Can I? Oh, help me, Jesus. I'm wondering if I should finish this or if we should just go right here. You know what? Let's do it. Y'all got time? There ain't nothing open anyway. Second Kings chapter 3. The Bible, I'm serious, y'all got time? Okay. Those of you that are ready to go, your neighbor, it's their fault, not mine. Second Kings chapter 3 tells us about Elisha. As he is getting to this place where he's, he's isolated, he's all by himself. He's, he's just, he's all alone, he's, he's doing his own thing. He's in his own house, he's in a cabin. He's finally got a little bit of reprieve. And there's this evil king. His name is Jehoram. He's the king of Israel. He ain't good for nothing. 
And Moab has rebelled against him. And he thinks he's a big boy, so he's going to go whoop up on Moab. And so he, he don't really know what to do, so he calls. I don't know if he FaceTimed them. I don't know if he texted him, Twitter, Instagram. I don't know how this happened. But he sends Jehoshaphat some kind of a notification and says, Jehoshaphat, I need you to come up with me. Well, Jehoshaphat's the king of Judah. This is the time where, where Israel and Judah is divided. He says, I need you to come up with me. And so Jehoshaphat, he's really smart because he's been doing this a long time. And, and he's a king after God's own heart. And so he says, what do we do? He says, we go up by the way of Edom. He says, okay. So they go up by the way of Edom. And they get to a desert place. Well, as a matter of fact, it's the same desert that their ancestors wandered in for 40 years. And they get thirsty. And there's no water. Well, it sounds kind of familiar because there was a time in their life where they were thirsty and there was no water. And so Jehoram says, you know what? Surely God's just brought us together. And we're going to die. The Lord's been picking on me. And Jehoshaphat, this is just how I see it. Jehoshaphat slapped him in the back of the head and said, wake up, boy. He said, what we need, we don't need a pity party. We need a prophet. He said, somebody find us a prophet. And so they said, hey, I know where Elisha is. And watch, he said, he's the prophet that poured water over the hands of the prophet Elijah. Well, it just so happens that they need water. And Elisha understands how to find water. You see, because that was one of the primary deals in order to be a, 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 a servant to a prophet is you have to know where the water sources were of that day because it was illegal, illegal to, to eat without washing your hands. It, you, you couldn't live in a desert place without water holes. And so as the servant of the prophet, you had to know how to find one hole to another. And so they would say, oh, well, maybe he'll just show us where the water's at. But Elisha, he's, he's mad because Jehoram, he, he's been... A, a thorn in his side. And when they show up, he says, Jehoram, now this is just the Jacob Wesley version. You can go read the King James yourself. He says, Jehoram, you good for nothing, low down, dirty dog, you. Why are you even here? And watch this. He says, if it wasn't for Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, Judah translated praise. They're in a desert place. There's no water. And the prophet said, you ain't even done everything right. You're a knucklehead. You've been living for false gods. But because you brought praise with you. You're, you're in a place where it's so uncomfortable and you're just wanting for one more drink. And, and if you got what you really deserved, I'd slam this door in your face and I'd never speak to you again. But because you learned how to bring praise with you in the desert place, get out your shovels and start digging ditches. What's going to happen? Don't worry about it. Just do what the man of God said. It's crazy. We just, we're in the middle of a desert and you want me to dig a ditch? Have you lost your mind? Yeah, but the preacher said that if we'll dig a ditch, that something miraculous is going to happen. And watch this. The Bible says, and water came by the way of Edom. Sister Moore, they just came from Edom. They just marched through that wilderness. There was no water in Edom the last time they walked. They were there yesterday, and there wasn't a drop of water anywhere. But God said, watch this. When you learn how to bring your praise in the middle of the desert, I'll bring water from places you knew there would be no water. 
Well, they said they never come. That's what you think before you started digging a ditch. They said I'd, I'd be bankrupt. That's what you thought before you started digging ditches and started praising God. In the middle of the desert, don't you know they look crazy with a shovel in their hand digging a ditch in the middle of a desert and somebody from Judah was just dancing around saying tomorrow God's going to work. Tomorrow we're going to be all right. Everything's going to, God's going to make it. Don't you know they look wild? Can I tell you, it don't make a lot of sense on a Thursday night for somebody to be jumping and somebody to be dancing when everything's going wrong. But you know what I'm doing? I'm writing hell a postcard. I'm on Patmos. I'm in the desert, but I haven't lost my praise. I haven't lost my reason to shout. I haven't lost my reason to dance. God has been good. Where are you at, John? Wait. Oh. I feel about 10 foot tall and bulletproof right now. There ain't a good thing. Ain't no grizzly bears around here. I'd switch them right now. Where are you? I know you're here and you're on Patmos and you've been sucking your thumb because everything's been going wrong all week. So what you gonna do? You gonna keep you gonna go back home and get in that pickup truck and, and, and cry all the way home because I didn't get my word. You, you gonna go back to that place where all hell's breaking loose and cry about it and whine about it because nothing's working out right? Or John, are you gonna make up in your mind, John? What's in this? I was in the desert. I, I was on Patmos. I, I was all by myself. I, but that didn't stop me from. Come on, John, where you at? I wish you'd step out in the aisle. And I know it ain't your way of doing it, but I wish you'd just dance like it already happened. Come on, John, you need a miracle. The miracle's gonna come after you get in the spirit on the Lord's day. The blessing's gonna come after you press your way through and get in the spirit on the Lord's day. Come on, somebody, you want a miracle. I, John, was in the spirit. You want your healing. I, John, was in the spirit on the Lord's day. Come on, somebody ought to write the devil a postcard right now. Here I am, and this was sent to destroy me, but I'm making it. By the grace of God, I'm going to make it all the way. Come on, John. Come on, John. Praise your way in. Dance your... Dance your way in. Worship your way in. Ah, John was in the spirit on the Lord's day. Come on, you ought to praise him while you got a chance. He's all over me. Me. He's all over me. He's all over me. He's all over me. 
just keep putting hold me up, hold up. You know what y'all are doing right now? Some of y'all are just waiting on somebody, your shouting buddy, to come get you by the hand. You're, you're waiting till they get into that part where he's in. He's on the left, he's on the right, and front and back. I know how this goes. I've been doing this a long time. Underneath of me, and he's living down it, and that. That's when you'll start shouting. But John, if you're going to get on the spirit on the Lord's day, you can't wait till your shouting buddy gets there. You can't wait till they get to the vampire. You... I, John, was in the spirit. I didn't wait till they started singing my favorite song, baby. I got out. I got in the spirit on the Lord. Come on, see, somebody ought to dance right now. Don't wait. Come on, don't wait till they get to your favorite part. Get in the spirit now.
Jesus at my feet. That's why I can't keep my seat. He's at my spirit and my soul. I know.
He can keep John alive on the Isle of Patmos. Don't worry. He can keep us alive in the day and the time and generation we're living in tonight. I'm telling you, revival's for us. God's for us. I'm telling you, if we'll just learn to praise and worship and trust Him, we're going through. We're going to make it. You just keep preaching them announcements. You're doing a good job. <laughs> my, my, my. Well, he's preached tonight, hasn't he? Anybody excited about what you've heard here tonight? Anybody ready to write that postcard? <laughs> you may get a chance tomorrow. You know what I'd do? I'd write it. So I got something to give you today. <laughs> Amen. God bless you tonight. What a word we've heard and a power we felt in this house tonight. Amen. Going to be back tomorrow night, 6.30 prayer time, 7 o'clock service time. And uh, it'll be Friday night. We're going to have a good time, have an awesome time. We're not going to be in a hurry. I know lots got to get up and go to work tomorrow and all that in the morning. We understand that. But guess what? We got a little added blessing with that. The uh, catfish house right across the road over here. Hey, the bayou, whatever we call it, is going to be open. Brother Tony said he'd stay open for us. So it'll be open tomorrow night for anybody who wants to fellowship afterwards. He preached about fellowship tonight. Good fellowship. Amen. So we're going to get a double blessing tomorrow night. So if you come plan to be a part of that, if you'd like, bring your money. <laughs> okay. <laughs> all right. We just covered all the bases. And, uh, amen. God knows what he's doing. Love you tonight. Appreciate you. We're so honored to have all of our guests with us again tonight. God bless you. Appreciate you being here tonight. Don't forget, come back. That's right. Give them a good hand here tonight. Appreciate each one of them coming. You're part of this service with us tonight. Appreciate it so much. Amen. Let's pray much tomorrow. Let's let the Holy Ghost have its way in this place tomorrow night. Amen. If you, if you don't have the Holy Ghost, it's God's will. It's a promise from God, not man. It's a promise from God to give you the Holy Ghost. It's in the Bible. It's in the book. Don't let nobody lie to you. The Holy Ghost is real. Speaking in tongues is real. And there's no experience like Pentecost. Pentecost is an experience, not a religion. Thank God for the experience that we have in Pentecost. Love you tonight. Appreciate you. God bless you.